Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Louis Prima Jr. is a singer, musician, and band leader known for his energetic and over-the-top performances with his boisterous New Orleans-style band, The Witnesses. Prima Jr. is the son of legendary singer and entertainer Louis Prima. The band, which performs original music as well as Prima Classics, was formed in 2006 and has been performing to sell out crowds around the world ever since. Up next on Slipsvant, we've got Louis Prima Jr. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? Well, I am currently back residing in New Orleans, Louisiana. We moved back here in the middle of the pandemic, right at the start of the pandemic back in 2020. With the exception of the touring schedule isn't back up to speed yet, I'm doing fine, music is doing fine, and uh, we're plowing ahead. So did you say that the touring schedule is not back up to speed yet since the pandemic? Not to start on a sour note, but you know, we had just uh, recorded our third album for Warrior Records, uh, Universal Music Distribution. We stepped out of Capitol Records and Hollywood into the pandemic. Uh, matter of fact, I went and finished up vocal tracks uh, from Vegas. I rode my motorcycle from Vegas to Los Angeles, and I was the only person on the road. You know, of course, the album has to get shelved uh, because you can't put out an album yes. without tour support, etc. And we canceled about 120 dates um, immediately. And then as the world started to open up a little bit and we were able to work a little um you know we we started getting some dates and then the delta variant happened and we started to get some dates and the omicron variant happened and then we started to get some dates and the economy here in the states completely tanked and it became unaffordable to be on the road so certain areas of the economy have not cleared themselves up look we travel with uh 11 sometimes 12 people and that's expensive for hotel rooms and airfares and and diesel fuel for the bus, etc. And it just became difficult. So we're a little bit picky and choosy with our dates right now until things straighten up and kind of redirected our focus back into theaters and and large festivals. And we're working, we're thankful for that and just kind of hoping to get back to a busier schedule soon. But it, you know, it's going to depend on a lot of forces. Now let's rewind to your journey in the entertainment industry. I know it's multi-generational and the number of elements. So at what age did you decide, cool, I want to be in the entertainment industry and how did that journey accumulate to where we are today? It started playing music when I was five years old. Of course, there was music in the house. We had a piano, you know, there was instruments. Um, my mother bought uh, us a drum set when I was five years old and she's the one that taught me how to play the drums. So that was truly my first instrument. Um, we were living in Vegas at the time and we moved back to New Orleans. My aunt, Sister Mary Ann, she was a nun down here at St. Anne's in New Orleans and she taught me how to play piano in the first and second grade. And then I just started picking up things here and there, guitar and, you know, just kind of playing around, played the piano, played the organ, picked up the trumpet in eighth grade in middle school, played all through the end of high school. I really enjoyed it, um, but I really didn't want to be a musician. And there's several reasons why. Primarily, uh, I didn't think I was very good. I felt like I played a lot of things, and I didn't do them to the level of a um, 
Eddie Van Halen or, or somebody like that, you know, and I, I felt that if I was going to play an instrument, I had to be great at it, especially with a father like mine. So I just kind of did it for fun and went to college and decided, you know, it was going to be a business major or something. But my senior year in high school, toward the end of my senior year, and all through that summer and all through the first semester of college, I started um, going to clubs and sitting in with friends' bands. I was the guy in the parking lot at school singing, standing on my car, singing at the top of my lungs to whatever popped up. I started sitting in with friends' bands, doing rock and roll, uh, doing singing a song here or there, and I, I kind of quickly got in my head that, you know, a mic in my hand and singing, I can be the best at that. I can do this well. I'm not saying I'm a fantastic singer, um, but I know how to be the guy with the microphone. You know, I know what to do, where to move, how to get the crowd going, those type of things. And I got bored with college and really enjoyed being on stage a little more than I should have. And uh, I started putting together a rock band and I did that for just about 10 years. Played all over the States, you know, primarily the West Coast, looking for that elusive record deal. You know, when you're a young kid, you, you, you want the record deal. At least I did. I realized that I was pretty good at writing music. I could write a good song. I could come up with a good hook. Uh, I found people that were super talented that I played with and we were looking for the record deal. And it we got close, but it just didn't happen. Got frustrated with the music business end of it a little bit um, because I am a little bit too hands-on, maybe. And decided to give it a rest and uh, go get a day job and raise a family. Uh, raise two amazing sons by myself. But I still did little things here and there. Like I sang in an ACDC tribute band for a little while. I'd go I'd go sit in with friends' bands and, and do things here and there. And then uh, just a weird set of circumstances afforded me an opportunity to do my father's music, which I love. Uh, I think it's some of the happiest music in the world. So I started doing that a little bit. Um, and when I saw a crowd's reactions to it and, and knew that it wasn't just going to be his fan base that was interested in the music, you know, it, it's... It has wide appeal. It has a great demographic of all ages. And I went, you know, let me find some people that I have a like mind. Let me find some people that can write music and let's just kind of continue the legacy. Let's create the music. Let's do new music. Let's play the new crowds. Um, and, you know, started plowing along at that until my boys were old enough to understand that I'd go on the road every once in a while. And when I found the right band, we played at Jazz Fest in 2010 here in New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans Jazz Festival. Uh, and that was a week before that was my last day, day of work as a day job. And, uh, kind of no looking back from there. So for those people who are, do not know, so your father, and Louis performed jazz, correct? Not necessarily jazz. You know, look, he was frowned upon in the jazz community. Oh. The jazz purists don't like tomfoolery on stage. And my father was an entertainer, okay. uh, number a brilliant songwriter and an amazing musician. I mean, the things he did on a trumpet um, just astound me. But he was a performer primarily. He loved to perform. He yes. loved to, he made fun of music more than he got serious about it. Uh, so it was kind of his own style. Uh, it was this blend of New Orleans street music, what he grew up learning, okay. you know, in, in yes. the early 19th century. And he, or I'm sorry, 20th century. He, yes. it was kind of his own style. I, I don't like to categorize it yes. because I think it was rock and roll and before rock and roll existed. Do you perceive that you would have followed the journey into the entertainment world if you didn't grow up 
in a musical or entertainment fan. I'd like to say it did have a little bit of influence, but I think just because I didn't want to go into it, um, and maybe that was part of being in a musical family and yeah. seeing the trappings of it and seeing the, the, the mess my father's estate was when he passed away and, and various types of things. You know, I've always enjoyed music. Look, there, there wasn't singing and dancing around the house. I mean, it's, you know, it was a normal childhood. You know, my dad woke us when he was in town. He woke us up at six in the morning on Sundays to go to church. You know, there was family meals every night. It was a regular family. There wasn't vaudeville happening in the living room, but there was music you know and we got to see him and we got to go on the road with him uh and i think that helped me gain an appreciation for music period you know and some of the amazing people you know i i make a joke that back in the 70s when the band kiss was saving the world from disco i found a little band called acdc somebody gave me a one of their import tapes before they went on atco which you know became atlantic um, it was one of their first two CDs that came out. I think it was TNT. And I went, wow, that's cool, man. It, it, it was very jazz based and very rooted in, you know, this kind of up tempo, whatever. And I, I kind of never looked back in musical taste from then. You know, I, I like aggression in my music. I'm still a rocker. I listen to, you know, Deftones and Nine Inch Nails and weird things like that. My, I always joked that my kids hated me because I listened to the same music. They didn't hate me, but, you know, yeah, it was like, yeah. Dad, why are you listening to the same music? But I think I always had an appreciation for music. Where it came from, I don't know. Uh, would I have gone into the music business? If I had gotten on stage with some one of my, you know, it was just out in a club with a, going to see a friend's band. And, hey, Louie, why don't you get up and sing? I think the first song I did in a rock club was Aerosmith's Walk This Way. And I went, like, had, had that happened, I probably would have gotten into music because I truly loved Love being on stage. What do you love about being on stage? And in your latest iteration of being on stage, are you still practicing or performing with all those instruments or only the trumpets? There's a lot of things that go into the love of being on stage. And primarily, I really get a kick out of making people happy. There's so much down music in the world. The main reason that started me in the direction of getting out of the rock world was that everybody wanted to sign a Seattle sound band. Everybody wanted me to be Pearl Jam. And I went, yeah, I grunge. I'm, I'm not that depressed. I'm not that angry <laughs> at the world. Okay. It just wasn't me. And, and I, you know, it's a, I think it's a communal thing. I enjoy the challenge of a crowd. I enjoy looking for that person in the crowd that doesn't want to be there. Not necessarily doesn't want to be yeah. there, but doesn't know what he's going to get and went with a friend having a bad day and being able to see them smile and tap their foot to things that I'm creating. There, there's something special in that bond. Every night is new. You know, we have a great following of people. Mid show, I always pull the audience. I go, who's here for the first time? You know, and we always end up with a little over half the crowd is brand new, especially when we go to a lot of new places. And it's neat to see them get up and enjoy themselves. I love the performing aspect of it. I frown on music today because it's all dancers and light shows. Nobody knows how to perform anymore. It's scripted. It's choreographed. Mm -hmm. You need yeah. to be able to I need to be able to be over here if that's where the person that's paying attention is, you know. I need to be over here if that's their favorite song and they're singing along. I think my father was good at that. And I think somewhere in my genes, I got that as well, that I, I know how to work a room and play a crowd, but I know how to entertain. I love dancing around. I love killing myself on stage. And 
so does my band. You know, I, I play with people. And one of the first things is, A, are you a brilliant musician? B, can you dance around on stage and play that instrument? Because it is a show. So it's, it's all encompassing. Look, I'm, I'm primarily a shy person. I say to myself, I don't go out that much. I have a small set of friends. I'm a nervous wreck before I get on stage, but you hit that stage and those lights come on and it's a, it's another world. Like yeah. maybe that's the Gemini in me. I don't know. Um, as far as, Playing things, you know, there's a, it started as a joke many, many years ago that I got back on the drum set and kicked my drummer off to sing a song that was, it was just a joke. And it turned into this little segment of the show where everybody gets to sing or do something, uh, you know, little medley of songs that starts with me on the drums. I tinkled a bit on the piano again. I'm not very good at it anymore. And, uh, there, there's some plans to, I was actually sitting in the car yesterday, uh, looking for a place to buy a banjo because, uh, Sweet City Woman came on the radio and I went, but that would be fun to do on stage and I could play the banjo, you know, <laughs> I'll do anything. I'll do anything on stage and, you know, and, and I, maybe it's just to distract that I'm not really good at what I'm doing, but it's fun for me. I love to play everything. I love to give everybody the spotlight. Mm. Uh, it's part of the show. Okay, so first of all, I want to say you must throw that out because if you weren't good at anything, people wouldn't be coming and enjoying it. <laughs> I, I hate it when people put themselves down. So I'm just, I'm just giving you a little whack on your knuckles to say, stop it. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Look, it's, it's modesty. And as long, I think when you think you're good at something, you stop working. Um, ah, I understand what you're saying now. Okay. okay. You know, that I'm, I'm always striving to be better. I always, we're a unique band. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's odd. I used to tell people it was so hard to keep four or five people together in rock and roll with as many people as we travel with. And you're stuck in a bus for hours sometimes. And we truly love each other. We have a great time together. Uh, we enjoy making music together. We enjoy the time after and generally the time after a show, everybody is super critical of themselves. And, uh, you yes. know, there is a lot of patting on the back going, no, that was brilliant type of thing. But it's, uh, like I said, it, you got to stay humble and you got to keep working is I, the, yeah. the point of it all, I guess. The reason I'm giggling is I'm also, I'm like super critical of myself in the sense that, you know, when I've done something and people or I've heard people like maybe not like it's like oh what have I done wrong and I go into that mind talk of you know uh, yeah and it's just a whole lot of excuse my French bullshit <laughs> yeah no absolutely it absolutely is but you know I think it keeps you honest and it, yeah. and it keeps you striving for something better and it keeps you interested in doing your best for the crowd people go out and work a job to have that money to come yeah. in and see me perform and i need to give them my best at all times and hopefully i do i, I know my band does i i know that uh, the the guys behind me um it's the most incredible unit of musicians and it's a freight train every single night and i there's days when you're just you know that you haven't slept in four or five days you know the <laughs> the air conditioner in the hotel last night was at 110 db whatever the story is you yeah, know yeah. you you get on stage and you just kind of go oh my god how am i even going to get through this and the band starts playing and it just it kicks in man it's it's and and i guess it's what we do and it's a labor of love you know look with 11 people in the band none of us are making what we should make you know where it is about a paycheck it's not really about the paycheck yes. it's about doing what you love for a living and making people happy along the way i'm normally that guy who's right in front of the audience jamming having my having so much fun I try in the past before doing slip spines, I never used to take my phone out because I didn't want to. But 
Now these days, right. you know, because I'm doing Snap Spines, I have to do a couple of posts, but then I put my phone away. But I notice the people around me, they've got their phones out trying to get the perfect image, perfect video, posting, they're tweeting, they're threading, whatever they're doing. So as a person on the receiving end of seeing a bunch of phones, what's your perception on that? And do you feel that it breaks the connection of energy between yourself and the audience? It does, but, you know, and look, we're, I, I guess I'm fortunate that we don't have too much of that. I mean, it's there. It's every show. Yeah. There's somebody filming the whole show. You get these people posting things online and it, it's just like horrible audio and horrible video. <laughs> and, you know, I know people that'll go online and immediately like block those and take a look. I don't care, but if that's what you want to do, but it, I think it bugs me more when I'm in a crowd than it does when I'm on stage because everything you see in here is a memory. There's studies done on you can't text and drive because you can't do two things at one time. You're filming. You're you're filming. You're not enjoying the show at all. You know, and you're going to go back and look at this thing on this little phone. That's not the show. And that's not the experience. I dude, I remember every concert I've gone to in my entire life uh back to, you know back to the very first couple of ones and the friends that I was with and exactly what happened and yeah. that's up here. Right? You can't put that on a video. You can snap a picture. Great. Snap a picture. I got a picture of, you know, whoever on stage. But I yeah. think you, you lose part of the reason that you're there and part of the reason why we're on Earth. And that's to experience and to live. It just, you know, it, it's a necessary evil. You've got to create content to be relevant. That's what buyers look at, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's taking away from the experience of life and you miss so much. Look, I'm talking to the uh, friend the other day about this. I'm a guy that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to meet umpteen thousand celebrities, movie stars, actors, actresses, musicians from everywhere. I'm not the guy that wants a picture. I'm not the guy that wants an autograph. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that wants to go, Hey, you're so and so really enjoy your music. My name's Louie. Thanks for what you do and yeah. hopefully engage in a little bit of a conversation and yes. walk away. I don't care who knows. I, I don't need a picture to prove I met a hero of mine. I, it's in your brain and I, exactly. I live for those moments. So I love this game. I know if I had to ask you this question in two days, two hours, two months, I know your answer will be different every time I ask this question. I recognize that and I understand. If you had to push play to five songs by other artists once we finish this conversation, what would those five songs be in by? If I had to press play, uh, the first one will be a toss up and it would be the Deftones and it's either going to be their song Be Quiet and Drive or they have a remake of the Cars Drive and I'm stuck on both of the look I love I love the song Be Quiet and Drive it's an amazing tune I, lo I love Gino the singer he's uh, got amazing control over his voice I've seen him a dozen times he, he's incredible live and that song is just the perfect non-formulaic rock ballad that's the song when it comes on the radio i'll stop a conversation to listen another song uh good lord you got me on the spot now <laughs> uh, the one that's always on the list no matter what uh it's maynard ferguson the album is live at jimmy's it's very hard to find that album anywhere it's not in print you can't find youtube video of it anywhere uh but he did macarthur park um okay. and that particular version has this extended barry sax solo and it's what made me love the Barry Sachs and go out of my way to have Barry Sachs in my band. Uh, it's an amazing arrangement. It's one of the greatest solos ever um, and one of the greatest bands ever. 
Maynard Ferguson, Up to My Neck and You from ACDC. Those, those early songs, the album Powerage, wow, that's kind of what sticks with you through your whole life when you hear an album that is brilliant start to finish and it's so much drive and energy and, and fast and boisterous and loud. And um, to me, it's what music is supposed to be. It's yeah. boisterous, fun, and loud. Two more songs. <laughs> I'm leaving you uh, from my father. Uh, it's uh, It's on the song... The Wildest 75, the album. It's, um, it was my father's last album. I was actually in the studio with him when he recorded it. Uh, I got to go almost every day. He did it during the summer, I believe. And I remember watching them uh, cut everything and, you know, do the back from the old reels. And, and it's also the only ballad my father ever sang and poetically the last song he ever recorded. It's called I'm Leaving You. Break You Apart, Tear You Up. Probably on my list today just because I... It circled through my weird music collection, and I went, wow, that's awesome. And then uh, Ario Speedwagon's Roll With The Changes is on the top of my list lately. I love the B3, Hammond B3. If, you get, if you've never spoken to Lackey Doley or know who he is and anybody out there, he's from Australia. He's probably most incredible B3 player. But I, I, love a, I love a song with a good B3 and a Hammond B3 solo in it. And Roll With The Changes is such a great anthem rock song. I think uh, that's just one of those songs, when, you know, when it comes on by the end of the song, when they're doing the roll off and everybody's screaming, you can see yourself at the end of a concert standing up, yeah, you know, yeah. going, yeah. And I did that in every concert I ever saw them. Um, and that's, uh, those are my five today. <laughs> and yes, they will. They will absolutely change in two hours, I promise you. Or even two minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. I promise you. That's why I love this game. So, Louis, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Well, if I don't plug com first, uh, that's our website for everything. Our album's on Warrior Records. Uh, Warrior records.com uh, and anywhere you can find music, Amazon, etc. It's, it's a message I say in some version at the end of every show. Okay. And it's a big giant world and we're only here for this long. Live your life. Go out, have fun, enjoy yourself. And life's meant to be enjoyed. Don't take the tough things so seriously. We all go through it. We'll all get through it. Be kind to yourself above all else and be kind to everybody you meet every single day hold the door open do it you know smile at somebody it may be their first smile all day and most importantly have a damn good time while you're here <laughs>